everyone, and welcome to episode 157 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and I'm joined today by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, not much. Ready to uh, talk some magic. So we don't actually have a ton going on this week as far as big news or anything, but we have a couple of fun ideas. So we have a pro tour, a modern pro tour coming up this weekend, so we wanted to kind of preview and discuss that a little bit. And then we also have the great design search that is going on currently, which comes with some really interesting questions. So we're going to talk a little bit and answer some of the questions from the great design search. And then, of course, we will wrap up with a bunch of fish mail. So first off, Richard, I guess we should probably kick things off with the Pro Tour, since that is happening at a awkward time zone. I think it starts at like 3 a.m. my time. Probably like, is it midnight your time? Uh, I thought it was 3 a.m. my time. Or no, it's midnight. Midnight my time. Yeah, midnight my time. So Yeah, so running night. through running through the middle of the night, starting I guess it'll be Thursday at midnight essentially or Friday morning. So the exciting part about this Pro Tour is it is the first modern Pro Tour we've had in a couple of years. The last one was Oath of the Gatewatch when Eldrazi took over. So how are you feeling about this Pro Tour, Richard? Are you excited for it? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we have some predictions we're like we're gonna see these cards. But since Modern is such a wide-open format, who knows, right? Are we going to see, you know, the, the classic Modern metagame, which is basically, like, every deck? <laughs> or will there be a new Eldrazi? Uh, you know, some deck that the pros have been hiding in the back corner, uh, ready to spring forth upon the masses. I don't know. I'm just going to assume an unfair deck is going to win. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it right now, Seth. Living End? Tron or Dredge? Which which one do you think? I'm going to say Living End. Living End will win the Pro Tour. Uh, unfair is where I'm going. I don't know about cards from Rivals. Any Rivals cards you think will show up big this weekend? Uh, I don't really think so. Probably the best chance for Rivals, I think would be blue-green merfolk, maybe playing, like, uh, the new two-mana lord or something. I've seen merfolk decks kind of doing that on Magic Online, so if anyone plays merfolk, there's a chance that that shows up. Otherwise, there's definitely not any Eldrazi going on. There's not... I don't see anything from Rivals, or even the whole block of Ixalan, that's just going to take over the format and make a new deck, so I think that that's pretty unlikely. So maybe, like, random... I don't know, Slaughter of the Strong in the sideboard or Silent <laughs> Gravestone in the sideboard, stuff like that. But I think for the most part, it's going to look pretty much like Modern has been. And I definitely agree with you about the unfair deck thing. I would pick Storm, though. If I had to pick an unfair deck that's going to win the tournament, Storm is already legitimately good. And I'm super scared because that's a deck that people like Finkel just <laughs> love to play. They play that deck when it's horrible. So now it's actually good. And I'm fully expecting we come out of the weekend with Storm probably near the top of the potential ban list for February. I think you're just saying that so that Storm spikes a tournament and gets banned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also in fact in Boggles. <laughs> Hopefully they do really well so they get banned. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not... Modern is such a weird format. I have noticed, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, uh, a big portion of pros don't seem that excited about it because they can't just break the format, so I'm going to be really curious to see what people play. Uh, I think that the right thing to do is probably just try to kill people as quickly as possible, but like Jeskai Control has been near the top of the format the last couple SCG events that they've had. It's looked really good, so maybe Control's in a place where it can work. So I have no idea what to expect, but that's what makes it so great. I expect that we're going to have this Pro Tour, and we're going to see 20-some different decks over the course of the weekend in the different rounds, probably have a bunch of different decks in the top eight. So that's the exciting part after sitting through Teamer Energy Pro Tours and Ramanamp Red Pro Tours and kind of like standard Pro Tours where it's like two decks. I expect we're going to see a ton of stuff going on, which makes it really exciting from a viewer's perspective, I think. Yeah, I, I'm i going to be sad. 2018 is the year Tarmogoyf died. <laughs> <laughs> Tarmogoyf is no longer good enough for modern. I, I don't know where our big green monster went, but like you, I think an unfair deck will win. I'm just going to randomly choose Living End. Uh, I, I do like the Finkel Storm Factor. I forgot about that. 
you know, Finkel's always there. He always does well. And now his pet deck is actually good. So, you know, maybe it's the perfect storm. Maybe we'll see a uh, Paulo Finkel top eight rematch. You know, for some reason, Paulo always top eights everything. So uh, hopefully there will be some good storylines this weekend. And just excited in general to see high level modern play. We don't get to see that often. So even if they're all the same decks we've always seen, just seeing the pros play them at a very, very high level is always exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited for it as well. I'm definitely happy that it's coming back. It's been a while, like we mentioned, since we've had a Modern Pro Tour, so I'm really excited for it. Modern Pro Tours were always some of my favorite to watch. Modern's just like one of the best spectator formats. It hits a sweet spot where you have this really diverse meta, kind of like Legacy, but it's also new enough that most people know the cards, unlike Legacy, where not everyone follows the older formats. So it's just like the ultimate, I think, spectator format in Magic. So I'm expecting really good viewership. Hopefully the time zone here in North America doesn't throw it off too much. It's also Super Bowl weekend. I don't know why Wizards likes to uh, schedule their Pro Tour yeah, during the Super Bowl. This is the first time it's happened they, they haven't learned <laughs> yeah i mean it seems like there should be some amount of flexibility like you know when the super bowl is happening like years in advance so i don't know why they why they keep scheduling it for super bowl weekend i guess the good news is for us uh, it's gonna make a really long day but if it's running from like 3 a.m to 3 in the afternoon should still be able to like, catch the super bowl like the tournament will be over by then but i don't know yes. it's after 12 hours of consuming that. magic i want to watch tom brady <laughs> win another super bowl oh. uh i want to see tom brady lose the super bowl but yeah <laughs> oh my god he has more super bowls than entire organizations <laughs> uh, yep 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 don't remind me don't remind me as a bills fan tom brady's like the most hated person uh in the nfl for me so um as far as modern though they have talked about having a BNR update after this Pro Tour, kind of based on the results of the Pro Tour. I think it's February 12th it comes out. So do you think there will be changes based on this? Let's say let's say the meta looks about like expected. Death Shadow is one of the better decks. Tron is a good deck. Storm is a good deck. Do you think Wizards is going to ban things in February based on these results if it looks like we expect it to look? And do you think they will unban anything? at the update uh, i think they might unban stuff i don't know that they want to meddle too much with modern but i could see an unbanning of something uh i, I don't know i mean i guess storm just always gets banned for no reason <laughs> but I, I i don't see something like say you know living end being banned or tron being banned or something like that i, I think they'll try to unban something from the fair decks if they think uh you know something needs a kick but I, I think they're going to take a hands-off approach with Modern. I'm wondering if maybe maybe Bloodbraid is at the top of the list. You were talking about the the sadness of Tarmogoyf kind of disappearing, and if if there's no Jund or green-black mid-range decks that show up, maybe Wizards will take that as a sign that it's safe to give them a toy in Bloodbraid Elf. Like, do you think that would change things? Would Bloodbraid unbanning be enough to bring Jund and those style of kind of fair green-black mid-range decks back to prominence in the format? Or is it just uh, modern is too unfair that even with Bloodbraid, it wouldn't be enough? Yeah, I think it's too unfair. I think it would do kind of the same thing that Stoneforge would do. It would kind of rearrange the mid-range decks. But having a hasty four drop doesn't help you when people are winning on turn three. Like, it, did, it didn't help you disrupt your opponent or anything. So I'm not sure that it will actually shift things in favor of fair decks, but maybe it will. Like, maybe it's enough. If you want to test this, Hazaret is a pretty close Bloodbraid impression today, and a lot of people are trying Hazaret and Jund. I kind of like Hazaret. She's, she's pretty good. She has some downsides, and maybe Bloodbraid is a slightly better Hazaret in unfair matchups. So maybe that's just enough to push it over the top, but... It's close. Uh, maybe maybe they just do it, but it's a it's a can of worms. Because if you unban this, then people will say, you know, why why not Stoneforge Mystic? You know, why not these other cards? So so I I don't know, but it, that could be that that would be in the realm of possibility. I wouldn't be so surprised if they unbanned Bloodbraid Elf. So give me your prediction of. I know you predicted Living End is kind of like the deck that wins or performs really well. Give me a under-the-radar prediction for a deck. Is there anything that you think 
is going to surprise us as far as decks are concerned. I, I don't know. Maybe Soul Sister. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe some tier. Because any tier 2 deck in Modern can, can win. So I think any deck in the top 20 decks of Modern can win, right? You get the right matchups, you get a good top deck, and you're in. But I do think it'll be an unfair deck, though. If, if it's a fair deck, they got to get the really lucky breaks. Like, you, you play Abzan... And the entire tournament, you're matched up against Jund, right? Yeah. And you just somehow <laughs> dodged all the unfair decks, and then you make it to the top eight, get a lucky draw, and win. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say the the graveyard based decks, not Dredge, but like uh, we actually played Mono Red Hollow One on Budget Magic, but there's like Black Red Hollow One, and those decks are really explosive. They definitely fall into the unfair deck camp, and I think they're a little bit below the radar right now. And that seems like the kind of deck that I could see the pros playing. Like, I think you want decks that can, either you're going to go ultra controlling and play like Lantern Control, Jeskai Control, and there will be some players that do that. Like, Sam Black, I would be very surprised if he wasn't playing Lantern Control, because people are going to play their pet decks, the decks that they like, but I think if you don't have a deck like that that's really associated with you, like Finklewood Storm, I think your goal is to kill people as quickly and as unfairly as possible, and I think the Hollow One decks do a really good job of that. I'm also holding out hope that we see some prison strategies, kind of like Free Win Red. They've been popping up here and there. You mentioned Hazareth. That's actually been a big addition to those strategies. It's a really resilient, good threat. You're already trying to get empty-handed for your ensnaring bridges, and that sounds like a non-bow, but being able to discard your cards to Hazareth to deal damage is really nice. So I'm holding out hope for that. As far as the other question, is kind of rivals. So give me... Give me an over-under. Will we see one Rivals of Ixalan card on camera at this Pro Tour? More or less than one, Richard? More. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Easily, because they'll find the deck list with the Rivals card in it in the early rounds. But I think on a serious note, they, there will be some Rivals sideboard cards at the very least. Uh, so you, you will see. I, I'm convinced you'll see Blood Sun at some point. Even if it's a terrible card, people will put it in their decks and try it. So... Uh, we will see Rivals cards. The The real question to me is, will we see brand new decks built around Rivals cards? And I think that's an under on that one. I don't I, I don't know that green merfolk is a thing. Probably the the better question is, how will Rizzer, Wizards manage to rename a popular popular <laughs> modern deck after a Rivals of Ixalan card for the sake of coverage? Will, it be, will they just call merfolk like Cumana Fish or something? <laughs> <laughs> because there's a one of Cumana in the deck. <laughs> oh... So, do you think there's a chance, discounting Rivals, that we see something entirely new? Like, if you look down the Modern Metagame page, there are a ton of known decks. So many decks in the format. Is there any chance we see... Like, remember when Amulet Bloom suddenly became this thing, and we saw this kind of brand new deck in the format, and then we had a time when people were using As Foretold with the split cards to do some crazy stuff. Is there any chance we see something that is just not even on the modern radar at all? It's possible. I mean, we we saw it a couple of weeks back with the rise of humans in modern. You know, humans have always been a thing. There wasn't a card that was printed that suddenly made it the greatest thing ever. But someone found the right combination of cards that spiked a tournament or two, started a movement, and then boom, it's now one of the top decks or close to the top in modern. So always possible. Uh, whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. <laughs> it's so random. Uh, you know, Amulet Bloom, like you mentioned, was around for quite a while. It was theoretically, you could build that deck for quite a while, but it didn't gain prominence until some event happened. So so maybe we do see some weird tier 3 deck just rise to the top, but the only ones that can answer that are kind of the pros brewing in the background here with their you know with the with the cards. So I don't know. This is the pro tour of I have no predictions. I don't know anything can happen. <laughs> just see how it goes. Yeah, I'm really curious if the pro teams I wish I was a fly in the wall for their testing because I'm curious to know if they're trying to build new decks if that's like their goal is to, because the format there's just so many decks that are already known are they trying to break the format with something completely new or is the idea more like all right we're gonna take humans we're gonna take storm we're gonna take tron and we're gonna try to build the absolute best version of that deck 
impossible and break the format that direction. And that kind of seems like the more likely thing to do in a format like Modern than building a completely new deck, especially considering none of the Rivals stuff is Eldrazi-esque, where you're like, oh my god, we can build this crazy new archetype. It doesn't really feel like that. So I think that that's probably the biggest innovation we'll see, is we'll probably come out of this Pro Tour knowing like the best possible Storm list. And maybe we see some weird numbers, some different things slip in that weren't there before, or the absolute best Tron deck. What color is best? We see green, black, we see mono green, we see green, red. Do the pro teams kind of come together and uh, everyone figures out that this is the right way to build a deck like Tron? What colors for Death Shadow? We see Grixis kind of at the top of the heap, but we have five color, we have two color Death Shadow decks, there's so many versions of it. So I think that's the exciting part of the modern pro tour is more so than seeing brand new decks, we're probably going to get some optimal versions, most likely, of a lot of the decks that we know and love. And I think that's pretty exciting, too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anyway, I think uh, that probably brings us to the end of our Pro Tour discussion, unless you got any other thoughts before we move on, Richard. Uh, no, I, I think this Pro Tour is just sit back and enjoy. I don't think they're... <laughs> it's hard to guess. It's hard to prepare or anything. Just sit back and uh, see what the pros come up with. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I'm... I'm very excited for the Pro Tours this year because of the modern Pro Tour and also the Team Pro Tour. I really like that they're trying some new things and uh, experimenting with Pro Tours, and uh, I'm excited. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Anyway, let's move on. So they are running this contest. This is actually the third Great Designer Search contest, where basically you... uh, put yourself in the role of a designer you go through these trials and tests and i believe the top i don't know if it's number one or if it's like the top two get internships uh, at wizards so we have some information trickling out including kind of the first trial they're calling it which has 10 multiple choice essay questions and we figured it might be fun to kind of go over these i don't think i'm not in the great designer search did you actually sign up and do this officially richard nope yeah but Here's our application, Watson. No, no, just kidding. We we are going to put our design chops to the test. We're going to answer these essay questions. So there's a couple trials. The first trial are essay questions, 250 to 300 words each. Uh, Seth and I will answer them with our stream of thoughts. I don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, and they have different multiple choice questions and whatnot. But we'll start with the very beginning Uh, You guys can play along with us or tell us how bad we are at designing magic cards. And we're we're, going to try this and do our best to see if we can make magic a better place. So, Seth, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Introduce yourself and explain. Okay, we'll skip that. (laughs) The next question, (laughs) an evergreen mechanic is a keyword that shows up in almost every set. If you had to make an existing keyword mechanic evergreen, which one would you choose and why? Ooh, well, this is an easy one for me. Uh, it would be cycling. I think cycling overcomes some of the problems that Magic has with variants uh, tied to the mana system, how well your deck just sets itself up. So we had Amonkhet being a a limited format that was very beloved. People were saying it was one of the best limited formats in a long time, and I think a big reason of that is you had so many cards with cycling, which allowed you to kind of smooth out the variants, and you had less non-games of Magic. So I think that Magic would be better if cycling was evergreen and part of every set. Alright. Is fight a mechanic? Is that evergreen? I think fight is now evergreen. Alright. Mm, help me with some non-evergreen mechanics. <laughs> I think part of the, part of the key to answering these questions is knowing stuff about magic. <laughs> uh, think of like like any of the set-based mechanics, like exert. We have any anything that's tied to a specific. Set. Uh, I don't like uh, those arcane splice onto arcane. All that. No, crazy there, stuff. there's like a bunch of. St- uh, there's like a bunch of things in Magic where they just use like a paragraph to explain because they don't have a keyword for, but it, it happens like semi-frequently, so people always complain about those. But I can't think of any. I think Kicker is another good one. I really think that's a, a solid mechanic, but anyway, I'm, I'm stealing your time, Richard. <laughs> Alright, uh, uh, I, uh, I don't have an answer, but but I will just answer by criticizing your answer, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you I, I don't, don't like I cycling? don't like cycling because it's too spiky. Because variance is like a spiky concept. I think most players would see, like most new players would see cycling and they're like, why would I throw away my card? Like, I should just use my card. 
So I, I think it's it's something that helps the competitive crowd, but as a player playing the game, this is not terribly exciting. Like, if you open a mythic or a rare with cycling on it, you're like, uh, okay. It's kind of like the rare dual land. It's like a necessity, but a very unexciting open. So uh, cycling, I think, helps the, the spikes, but for players, like, eh. I, I think a combat-oriented keyword would be better, because everyone loves combat. So that was my long way of not having an answer and moving on. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to remove evergreen status from a keyword mechanic that is currently evergreen, which one would you remove and why? Ooh. That's actually... That's actually a tougher question. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll answer first this time, Seth. Menace. Okay. Uh, Menace. There's no reason that so many creatures need menace. Uh, It... I, I think it's just, it makes things non-intuitive. It, it's, you know, like how many times on Moto has someone gone to attack you and then you click to block and then Moto says illegal block and you're like, huh? <laughs> right? And you click again and like, you're on the other side. You're like, obviously this person's confused. Read my card. It says menace. It's just so confusing. And why do you need to make men, you know, why do you need to make stuff unintuitive for blocking? I, I think there are better ways to discourage blocking. Like just make your creatures stronger. All right, or give them trample or stuff like that, you know, to to encourage people to have to multiple block. I think forcing people to multiple block uh, is not a very clean solution. I think I think that's a pretty good answer, actually. And I menace, I don't know. They had menace for a long time, and I think it was fine as like, oh, can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. I don't know if it ni- uh, necessarily need to be keyworded. Uh, you gave me a couple minutes to think about it while you were answering, and I definitely know my answer now. And the answer is 100%, no doubt about it, Hexproof. Hexproof is is just a horrible, horrible evergreen mechanic. I hate Hexproof. It is... Uh, it is everything you don't want. It is the equivalent of energy. Why energy was ho- so horrible because you couldn't interact with it. That is hexproof on a mechanic. So I feel like Wizards made a mistake by moving from Shroud to hexproof. I get the reasoning. It, you don't want to punish people by not letting them equip and put auras on their own stuff. But I think that Shroud was a much more fair version of hexproof because it prevented you from putting a bunch of auras on your hexproof creature so i think magic would be better without hexproof being a evergreen mechanic all right that's a good choice next question you're going to teach magic to a stranger what is your strategy to have the best possible outcome Ooh. um i would just tell them that whoever draws the most cards wins (laughs) so focus focus on that and the rest will come (laughs) you know you know what my actual strategy is I ask them, have you played Hearthstone? <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, that, that, that is the easiest way to explain magic to someone. It's like Hearthstone, but you, you play it with physical cards, and it's been around since the 90s. <laughs> I think, actually, I have uh, also used poker as a way. Like, if you play poker or other card games like that, I think that's uh, an easy way to also introduce someone to it for the first time. Like, there's definitely some big differences, but it's close enough that people kind of understand how it works. I I like to say chess, where it's like chess, but your moves aren't guaranteed. You have a percentage chance of being able to move your character in the way you want it. So it's a game of skill, but there is a random element to it as well. Uh, Next question. What is Magic's greatest strength and why? Oh, we're getting we're getting harder now. Yeah, these these ones are getting harder. Hmm. I I think it's got to be that <laughs> this is probably a horrible answer, but it's just a really fun and addictive game to play. Out of all the games I've played, Magic is the one that for some reason keeps me coming back and wanting to play more and I can play it for hours and hours and hours and I very rarely actually get sick of it. So I think it's I don't know if it's the the balance uh, of how well it works or the fact that there's multiple formats, but I think it's replayability, I guess, would be my answer. All right, I'm going to go with it's a game that really allows you to express yourself. So you can express yourself in deck building. That's why we have kind of the... Uh, you know, the Spikes, the Johnnies, the Timmies, etc. But also, you know, in terms of collecting, are you that player that blings out your deck? Are you that player that always plays, I don't know, revised 
islands. Uh, are you a cosplayer? Do you express yourself that way? So I think magic just lets you kind of express yourself while still having fun playing a game. Uh, next question. What is magic's greatest weakness and why? Oh, man. Uh, it's just, it's hard to learn. It's, it's, the, the complexity is part of what gives it that replayability and makes it great once you learn the game. So I wouldn't want that to be watered down, but it is... I think one of the more difficult games, especially for someone that hasn't played Hearthstone, hasn't played poker, to actually just teach someone. I think people play Magic wrongly for uh, often years. I know I did when I first started playing. Like, did not play things exactly right because there's so many rules, so many moving pieces that it's very complex and hard to pick up for the first time and play properly. Uh, I'm going to say Magic's greatest weakness is its cost. It is it is so expensive with like actually no payoff. Like other things that are expensive in life are expensive kind of for a reason. Like if you want to go skiing in the Alps, you know, you you have to actually pay money for a lift, equipment. I okay, the, the costs are, you know, are justifiable. Or if you want, you know, let's say uh sports cars, the cost is a status symbol. <laughs> Whereas in Magic, it's nothing, right? Like, if you had to spend $5,000 on a Legacy deck or a Vintage deck, you don't gain kind of the same status (laughs) as, you know, other things in life. And there's just no reason for cardboard to be so expensive. When you look at the cost of Magic versus anything else, it's really hard to justify playing Magic. So I think that really keeps a lot of people uh, out of the game initially. Uh, next question. What magic mechanic most deserves a second chance? AKA, which had the worst first introduction compared to its potential? Hmm. I gotta think about this one. Do you do you have an idea already, Richard? Mm, no. <laughs> what what <laughs> mechanics have bombed? Uh, a lot of them. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... This might be a bad answer. But I'm gonna say... I'm gonna say energy. I think that I know it's very modern and that might be kind of cheating, but I think energy had potential to be a really cool mechanic. The idea of having this additional resource system, but it it did not work out the way that it could have worked out. I think that it needed to have ways of interacting with it and it also probably needed to be toned down a bit, but I feel like energy could be done right, but the initial introduction was so bad and it messed it up to such a great extent that I'm not sure wizards can ever print energy cards again for fear of breaking stuff with these old cards that were pushed so hard in a format like modern or if they develop a frontier-like format. So I'm going to say energy, even though I might be cheating a little bit. All right. I, I don't think this is a good answer, but it's the only answer you can come up with. <laughs> Phyrexian mana. All right. Ooh, I, ooh. I like the the flavor of Phyrexian mana. I like the... You know, we're, we're out of resources. Try really hard. Use your life force itself as a resource to pay mana to do something. So I like that idea. But, uh, you know, in practice, it didn't really work out. All the cards were banned or they're, they're super overpowered. Uh, and I, I don't know if you can balance that by just increasing mana costs. So I, that's why I don't know if it's actually a good answer. But I, I do like the flavor and idea of Phyrexian mana. And I hope they they bring that back somehow. It's kind of similar to your answer in that we're using a another resource directly here, in this case, your life instead of energy. Uh, next question. Of all the magic expansions you've played with, pick your favorite and explain the biggest problem with it. Oh, man. I don't even know if I know my favorite expansion. That's a really hard question. It's Theros, right, where you started playing magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it still carries on. We don't have Chaz, but, but I'm still getting mocked for Theros. Like Chaz sent me a text. He's like, remember, remember to bring up Theros. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm going to say original Mirrodin, because that was actually the first set... I didn't start in Mirrodin, but that was the card pool I had when I first started playing with Magic, was a big collection that one of my friends had that was primarily cards from Mirrodin block. So I think that I would, I guess nostalgically, I would choose that as my favorite mechanic, uh, or favorite set, rather. Um, As far as the biggest problem it's probably got to be the affinity mechanic. I think that it didn't impact me because I was playing casually and just putting charge counters on things and it was fun and I enjoyed it. But I think that 
that Affinity kind of ruined Mirrodin for a lot of people. And since I wasn't playing tournament magic or on magic online at that point it didn't ruin it for me so i don't have these negative connotations but i feel like that was definitely the biggest mistake of the set if, as far as uh kind of from a from a more meta perspective all right uh my favorite expansion is innistrad standard was pretty good <laughs> limited was pretty good so I, I think we have to actually criticize the the block itself i think the biggest problem is double face cards the flavor was absolutely awesome, but mechanically, it has created so many problems in the paper world. Uh, you know, drafting changed. You have to reveal your, your double face card. That's super awkward. You can't play without sleeves. You need to use checklists. The checklists themselves look ugly. Uh, you know, you, you say you open this foil. Uh, what's an original flip card? I'm thinking Huntmaster, but that was actually Dark Ascension. Oh, um... Reckless Wave. Garrick. Garrick, uh... <laughs> you open a foil Garrick, and you can't even put it in your deck. You gotta put this, like, crappy checklist card in. It's, like, super awkward. And then, of course, you have the sleeves issue. You've doomed so many of sleeve manufacturers because their sleeves are not uh, opaque. So, mechanically, there were all kinds of problems with double face cards. Uh, if you just had to do this digitally, though, it would have been totally awesome. But uh, I think the the biggest problem here was just how they designed double face cards in the physical world. Uh, next question. Of all the Magic expansions that you've played with, pick your least favorite and explain the best part about it. Ooh. Well, I'm going to go with Avacyn Restored as my least favorite expansion. But the best part of Avacyn Restored was... The Miracle Mechanic. I think Miracle Mechanic added a really cool, like, yes, it's high variance, and normally I don't like high variance things, but it was just such an exciting mechanic that led to great moments. We had a Miracle deck win the Block Pro Tour associated with the set. We had the infamous Bonfire of the Damned at Worlds with Kibler and LSV. So I feel like that mechanic was super exciting, even though... The set itself, mostly because it was so miserable for Limited, just so bad for Limited, is my least favorite. Uh, battle for Zendikar? Maybe? Ooh. Allies! Allies! Vote for allies! <laughs> that, that's the best or part? That's the worst no, that's part. the worst no, part no, about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Battle for Zendikar had so many expectations, it failed to live up to it. It was an underpowered block. The only good thing out of it, in terms of playability and standard, was Gideon. Uh, but what... What was my favorite part of it? Maybe Aldrazi processing? Was that does that count? Was that oath or battle? Uh I think that was actually oath. But... Right, we'll, we'll say oath. We'll, we'll we'll say block, but I actually really <laughs> liked the processing. It was super flavorful, you know, this is kind of the first time you got to introduce uh interact with the exile zone, but it's okay because Aldrazi are these weird creatures that do weird things we don't understand and uh, I really like the processor and exiling mechanics from, from that set, even though the rest of the set or, or rest of the block was kind of meh, and most people would rather not remember it. That's a good answer. I can't believe they messed up Battle for Zendikar so badly. Are you ready for Return to Dominaria, Seth? <laughs> uh, they're going to nail it. They're going to nail it. I have faith. All right, last question for first trial. You have the ability to change one thing about magic. What do you change and why? Ooh, boy. Uh, I think, do you know your answer? Yes, I know my answer. Well, go ahead, because I'm not 100% sure. Uh, price. I knew you were going to say I, that. <laughs> 100% price. It is such a great game, but no one will play it. Because you just cannot, like, a as a friend, I cannot justify to someone else, like, hey, do you want to waste all your money playing with pieces of cardboard? Like, you just cannot justify it. Uh, the one thing that could save this all is Arena. If it was somehow actually free to play, like reasonably, then people can play Magic without dropping a couple hundred dollars for no reason. Uh, so price, I think, is the biggest barrier to getting your friends to join in with you and, and play Magic. I'm going to say uh, that the biggest thing I would change would be the digital presence of the game. I feel like... I feel like Wizards has nailed it with the paper card game, but I'm not sure if being the 
greatest uh, CCG, TCG, whatever in the paper world is going to be enough five or ten years from now with how gaming and all this stuff is changing. So I feel I'm afraid that if Wizards doesn't figure it out as far as having a really decent digital product that even though the game is so good, it could end up getting left behind because of how just the the world and the market is changing uh, with technology and everything going digital. All right, well said. So that wraps up the first trial of the great design surge. Seth, do you think we'll get hired? Uh, <laughs> do you think we'll make seems, the first cut? Or <laughs> seems uh, seems unlikely. I think we we would be some of the first people voted off. F <laughs> F minus. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. That's why we just uh, talk nonsense on a podcast and are not actually magic designers. <laughs> yeah, I I think I would be a horrible magic designer. I do not think I would be good at it. Uh, on a more meta question, though, do you think when answering these questions, they're looking for answers that align with their vision today? Or, or do you think they're actually looking for crazy off-the-wall ideas that bring something new to magic? Like, What do you think they're actually looking for when they look at your your answers for this i hope that they're looking for something new like that's i think that's what they're looking for and that's what i hope they're looking for i don't think they necessarily just want people that spew out what everyone has been saying about uh the greatest strengths and weaknesses and so forth so that would be my guess is they're looking for someone that has a unique perspective uh, on these issues all right so yeah so that wraps up our application for the first round of the great designer search. Let us know in the comments how right or wrong you think we are, or what are your what are what are your answers? I, I'm actually curious as to what the commenters have, uh, because some of our answers are pretty bad because we kind of just made them on the spot. But I actually want to see if people actually thought about it, like what what their answers are for some of the harder questions, like kind of the best and worst expansions and finding the opposite thing in them. Those are those are pretty tough. I do think that we probably both could have come up with much better answers if we had actually studied this. I imagine if you're really trying to get into the great designer search, you probably take a few hours or a while to really think these things over and come up with good answers. So I think we put ourselves at a disadvantage by just kind of doing it on the spot. I don't know, Seth. Given all the time in the world, I don't know if my <laughs> answers get any better. In fact, I'm relying on the fact that people think these are the best answers I can come up with because my time is limited. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wow. All right, let us move on to fish mail. If you have any questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MDGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. All right, first question. Because I'm nuts, to your knowledge, do you think the likelihood of us seeing an AI learn to play magic in a similar manner to AIs in other games like Chess and Go? Additionally, with such a deep card pool, has there ever been an attempt to build the scientifically best deck? Uh, I don't know if there's been a scientific attempt at that. I know if you read some of Frank Carson's stuff, he's done some really cool math stuff with figuring out things related to that. But I think there's too much variance in magic to really have an AI learn it or to build the best deck that way. That's my take, at least. Yeah. What do you think, Richard? Is that possible? I thought someone was doing it. Because I, I remember, so they, they do have people working on StarCraft. And I I thought they said they're working on either Hearthstone or Magic next. I don't remember which, but I remember it was a TCG. So I believe someone out there is doing it. The problem with this is there's, like, no money in this. So you got to find someone who's interested in doing this research, and they happen to be a Magic player as well, and they choose Magic. And... If I had to guess, uh, they would choose Hearthstone because Hearthstone is more popular. It's a pretty similar area, uh, and it's just easier to explain to other people. So I, I would guess Hearthstone would get the treatment before Magic, but I think it is it is in the realm of possibility. Uh, next question, Slade Arker. Do you think they could print a monocolor partner for a commander that had no abilities but could partner with any other commander? Pretty much just add one color to any commander deck. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be kind of safe. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be fine. I don't, I don't like that at all. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're just going to randomly add colors, like you can just play a five color commander, but I, I don't like, say, taking a really strong mono green commander, uh, suddenly adding, say, 
you know, this black colorless, this black additional commander just to get black cards. I think it goes against the spirit of commander. It does go against the spirit, but I think it would be fun. I'm someone that tends to try to play as many colors as possible, and I wish I didn't have to be like, oh, I'll just play a Tog, even though it has nothing to do with my deck, just because I want access to more colors. Yeah, but now, so but I, now you're playing this other monocolor commander that has no... <laughs> It's literally one of the Atogs in Atog Atog, right? Like, you literally just throw them into your commander deck. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Progenitus or, or a Tog? That, that is your choice, Seth. <laughs> Always a Tog. <laughs> Fiddler the Drum, my LGS is selling very low-quality proxies marked as fake on the backside for $2. I don't want to get them in trouble with Watsi, but other customers have already advised them that this is a really bad idea. What would you do? Oh, jeez. Well, I'm pretty sure that is illegal based on my understanding of proxying is proxying is okay so i think them making those proxies are probably fine especially since they say fake and etc but i think that selling them is definitely crossing the line and i've never dealt with this situation with the lgs but i have definitely had situations uh, like with craigslist where i'm looking for collections and stuff and see people that are doing that and i have actually reported a couple of them to wizards because in those situations they the proxies did not clearly say fake on them and it would be easy for them to get into the card pool and people uh, even if the first person sold them as a proxy down the line someone trying to pass them off as real cards so i don't know that's a tough situation because it's it's hard to get your lgs in trouble but at the same time they definitely should not be doing that yeah i i I think they're not allowed to do that i would tell them and if you know, they don't do anything about it, just report them to Watsi. Uh, because if it is okay, Watsi will look at it and be like, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it, so no harm, no foul. But if it's not okay, then they'll take action against the store. So I, I would say talk to the owner first, and then if they don't respond, then just talk to Watsi. Uh, next question, Alden4610, with Modern not requiring new product purchases, do you think Wizards will phase it out and only support legacy and standard to drive sales does wizards view modern as game killing i think that legacy is even worse for selling cards than modern is because i think it's uh the percentage of cards from standard sets that break into legacy is definitely a lot lower than break into modern even though it's not high in either case so I don't know. I think, if anything, we've seen the opposite recently, where Wizards has increased support for Modern, and I don't know if it's because they feel like their their master sets makes it worthwhile, but I feel like, in the long term, what I fully expect will happen is Wizards will make new Modern, be it Frontier or something similar, and that will give them the ability to reprint cards uh, for a few more years, and then, assuming everything keeps going well, they'll probably be new, new Modern another 10 years after that, which gives them a whole bunch more reprints to do. So I feel like, while theoretically Modern is a non-rotating slash eternal format, I feel like the support it gets from Wizards actually has a an end date on it, and then there will be a new format to take its place. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think Frontier will be the next thing wherever they want to mark off Frontier, but basically the, the next Modern, because the beginning of Modern is too old now, and it'll, you know the existing Modern will be supported like Legacy is supported. You know, Eternal Masters, uh, cards in Commander sets and things like this, but... As cars get too old, it's just too hard for Wizards to keep making them and keeping them in circulation, especially when they don't adhere to today's design standards. Uh, next question, God of Grenades. Do you think Arena could have a good economy if you could outright buy wild cards? $2 per Mythic, $1 per Rare, $0.50 Uncommon, etc. Uh, that would alleviate a lot of my problems with the economy, although I still feel like auction house slash trading or whatever would be my number one choice but i feel like that would be an improvement if you could just buy a deck that way although i think wizards wants to force people to open a bunch of packs so i i don't see them doing it yeah i I think if you do it this way i think decks would be much cheaper because there's going to be a fixed cost to your deck if your deck was 10 mythics you know 10 rares and 20 uncommons or whatever there's actually a price for that but for that reason, I doubt Watsi will do it. They want you to open loot boxes, i.e. packs, and just keep opening them in hopes of getting the stuff you want. 
and you know that that makes them more money so i don't think they'll ever let you buy wild cards although that would be pretty nice and easy for the players uh next question ken shockley 68 what if watsi offered a subscription model for arena let freedom free to play players grind coins and gems and trade in for wild cards but also let players pay like nine dollars a month uh, a format for phantom access to all cards in that format so here's my question for you richard let's say wizards was going to do that what price point would they price it at because from wizards perspective they're trying to make the most money like we forget that sometimes but that's that's literally their job is to make as much money as they can for their shareholders so if they can make i don't know $30 a person by forcing people to open packs or make $10 by doing a subscription, probably a bad idea. So what price point do you think from Wizards perspective it would have to come in on for that to be a legitimate option? Because people have mentioned this for a long time with Magic Online, just make a subscription. And I always thought that with Magic Online, it would be, I don't even know, like cable TV prices probably. You're paying probably like 50, 60 bucks a month or something to make up for the money they'd be losing by making people play the old way. Yeah, for that reason, they would never do it. I think a reasonable cost from a player perspective is like 10 bucks a month, right? But if you look at how much you actually spend on Magic, it's probably way more than that. So there's no way they would settle in on $10 a month because how can you justify paying your cable bill again, right? You should It should be on par with other subscription-based games, and those are usually 10 to $15 a month. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's a non-starter for Wizards, but it would be cool. I would enjoy it if it was that cheap. Yeah. Uh, next question, Mark of Walker. There are a lot of Anthem effects in Standard. Vanquish's Banner, Radiant Destiny, Immortal Sun. What do you think of combining these with the Vampire Lord and stuff like Legion's Landing and Call to the Feast to make a Standard Tokens deck? Uh, yeah, I think that that's definitely a good idea. I think the problem is you only have so many utility slots in a deck like vampires or a, a deck like that so you can only play so many of them but i've definitely seen vampire decks playing radiant destiny and making vampire tokens and it looked really good so i don't think you can play all those cards but i think some number of them can make a really competitive and strong deck all right next question uh, i just want to mention that several people sent in questions uh, basically the same question, suggesting to buy wild cards with gems. So I think we had like four or five fish mail like that. So that is a very, very popular idea amongst players. Uh, so next question, Angry Poncho 2, an EDH deck with an all on-color fetchable, with all on-color fetchable duels, what's better, Mirage Slowlands or off-color Zen slash Khan fetches? Uh, off-color fetches. Yeah, because they come into play... Untapped. Yeah, so I mean, from a competitive or optimization perspective, it's got to be fetches, so budget aside, I think that's the right answer. Yeah, and if you have all on-color fetchable duels, like, chances are you can always get the colors you want correctly if you have enough fetches. Uh, next question, Brandon, or Brand12517, what's the craziest thing you've done in Commander Clash or Game of Commander? I killed two people <laughs> with Torment of Hailfire X equals 32. That's pretty sweet. Oh, man. I think, apart from just strip mining Tomer on turn one, which was, I guess, more mean than crazy, <laughs> there, uh, it was, I think it was going infinite. I'm trying to remember the exact combo, but it was standard commander, and it was a paradox engine paradox engine like infinite deck and just like playing the entire deck with paradox engine i think it was etherworks marvel and just like going crazy that way so i think that might have been one of the things that sticks out as the craziest i can't i can't think of any crazy things there's been probably winning with games. skeletons or no some i remember that skeleton tribe. game i died instantly i'm so <laughs> sad about that deck <laughs> uh, craziest thing a uh, kiskin bashing people in the face uh I, I remember my my favorite the ones that stick out to me are the uh, that what's that dragon where if you have twenty artifacts you win. Oh, yeah. I, I love I, that dragon and <laughs> sneaking victories with that dragon is always the best. Or stealing all the artifacts of someone is always the best. So actually, that card sticks out in my mind as one of the most epic moments in Commander for me. Uh, next question, Nick Goulian. 
Hey guys, have you looked into Gwent? I've been playing it and I think it's upsets Alley. It has the convenience of Hearthstone without as much RNG, but some deeply cool complexity and archetypes that remind me of fun MTG decks. I have a long list of games that I have to try out. Uh, Hex is on the list. Eternal is near the top of the list, and I guess I'll have to add Gwent to the list. I haven't played it, I have heard of it, and I want to check out all those games, I just haven't really had the time to do it. Gwent is the Elder Scrolls one, right? I believe so, yeah. There's also the the anime one, what's it called? It's also very popular. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, actually. It's like right after Hearthstone in terms of popularity, but there's a lot, and then there's a Yu-Gi-Oh! one as well. Wait, have you have you even played Pokemon TCG? I have not. Uh, there are a lot of TCGs, Seth. <laughs> yeah, there are too many, I, one might even say. <laughs> I've always I've always thought maybe I'll have to do it if I if I actually get the time, but I've always wanted to do like a, a video series that tested out all those games and kinda compared them to magic. I thought that would be fun. Alright, Seth, when Arena comes and kills the economy and you can no longer <laughs> feed your children with tickets, we'll 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 do some Pokemon. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Uh, adopt MDG tokens. Do you guys think Arena could come up with a popular format where decks are forty cards with two card limits? No, isn't that Hearthstone? I think that is that is Hearthstone basically, except also one of Mythics in Hearthstone. I uh, I don't think that I think that's too much of a change. I don't think people would like it. I don't think I think that I think that Arena has to be real magic to have any chance of succeeding, and I feel like that is too much away from real magic. I kind of like the idea. I like I like a format where you can sit down and play quickly because sitting down and preparing for a two hour match of magic <laughs> is, is not cool. Like I, I wish there was a way to sit down for 10 minutes and be guaranteed to complete some magic activity. So having a one match format with smaller decks or less variants or whatever to actually let you sit down and complete a game in a short period of time might be might be cool. Ooh, how about you just each get? a deck and then you flip over the top card and whoever has the highest converted mana cost wins <laughs> magic more <laughs> yeah <laughs> it would be so quick okay my deck has one emrakul <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh next question brother vance irl what's the best way to obtain magic artist prints and proofs i've actually been wondering about this because i've been trying to uh kind of like set up my office slash recording area and I've wanted to get some prints. The only way I've really found is through the artist's websites. Also keep an eye out for um, Kickstarters they occasionally have that are good ways of getting them, but that's all I've really found is websites slash random Kickstarters as far as getting prints. Yeah. Grand Prix another option if you're near a Grand Prix and the artist is going there, but usually you just Google the artist's name uh, and then you go to their website, and they usually have it. Or you Google their name, uh, Kickstarter, or you Google their name, uh, DeviantArt or ArtStation or whatever. And hopefully, you can find it. And worst comes to worst, you can try to find them on Twitter and track them down if they if they don't have a store. Next question, Narafenr. Hey Seth, can you think of any cards that never won it against the odds poll that you're looking forward to do someday? Oh man, off the top of my head. No, actually, I feel like I can't think of anything that I've been like, oh man, I really hope this wins and it's never won. Uh, but I'm sure it's out there. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. That's one of the weird things about Against Odds is we're on like episode almost 125 now. So we've hit a lot of like the you win the game cards and stuff like that. So that's kind of, I think it's kind of cool in some ways. Like in some ways it's challenging because we've hit a lot of the low hanging against odds fruit. On the other hand, it's leading to some cool stuff because you got to really kind of dig deep to find cool against odd cards. And I think sometimes that actually leads to better episodes. All right, I'll put one on the list. Tarmogoyf in modern. <laughs> oh, is that? Oh. It's against it's the odds. Against now. the odds, time. You're like match one, live again. Scoop, scoop them up. <laughs> oh two, match two. Yep. Tron, scoop them up. Oh four. Oh, By the time we get to the tenth match, it's like, oh, this other person's also playing Tarmogoyf. We have a chance. <laughs> we have a chance. 
Who would have thought? Who would have thought that Tarmogoyf would eventually get to this place? It seemed like it would never happen. I feel like we've had conversations about Tarmogoyf where we said they're never going to print something better. It'll always be in demand, and and it's finally happened. Motsi will fix this. Two standards from now, we're going to have a Tarmogoyf with a uh, duress attached to it. Basically, <laughs> thought not seer, where you don't actually need <laughs> colorless mana. Just two so, mana thought not seer. That's actually considering that Tarmogoyf is on the downswing in modern. Are we to a point where, assuming there's no like fetch lands or easy ways to do that, could Tarmogoyf be standard legal? Could they reprint it in a standard set? I mean, they did, right? Long Tusk Cup. <laughs> I mean, the power is not that strong in standard. Even if you had fetch lands, it's not as strong because your cards aren't efficient. You can't turn one thought seize fetch and then bolt or something and then get your goyf that big and when you do get that big we've had cards like the sylvan caryatid long tusk cub so i don't think tarmogoyf would be that egregious and standard and it i mean it still dies to fatal push and stuff like yep. that so wow maybe maybe corset maybe this next corset <laughs> they'll just do it and we'll get a tarmogoyf, tarmogoyf is just evergreen card it's just always <laughs> always in the corset <laughs> now it's like the duress of green creatures uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're already at two mana three threes. A two mana four four is not that unreasonable. <laughs> uh, next question, Snoovic, what do you think of a partner-like ability for non-creature permanence? Equipment, enchantments, etc. Balanced, balance with, you may cast this only if you control your commander and affected by commander tax. So, hmm. Okay, so, so this is, you have, like, say... And equipment in your command zone. I don't... I don't really like it. I mean, I, I could see... What was the the cat with its own equipment? With the hammer? hammer oh, hammer of, of design? Yeah. Like, I could see from a flavor perspective that being cool, but I think partner is just overpowered, and I think that would still be pretty overpowered, and maybe even more overpowered. If Could you imagine if you cast Nizan and you just always had the hammer in, in your command zone to cast every time? I mean, that's actually how Nizan works, because <laughs> you get it on your deck, <laughs> but... Oh, well... But yeah, that... <laughs> bad example. Like, let's say you had, like, a GTA sitting in your command zone. Like, that's... That's a little ridiculous, right? I, I think if you wanted that thing, it would have to be, like, Nizan. When you include the card in your 99, and when you cast your commander, it just fetches it up and puts it into play. Yeah, that's probably fine. Basically, like, a Stoneforge Mystic or something. But just having the ability to cast random stuff out of your command zone. Because that's basically a free card. That's basically the hero power in Hearthstone. Man, we're, we're all over Hearthstone today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Taskmaster, 1995. Rough Drafts is probably my favorite piece of content produced by Goldfish. It doesn't happen terribly often. Do you recommend any other channels for fun draft gameplay? Also, does Richard draft much? Ooh, do you draft much, Richard? Nope. <laughs> I no. used to draft a lot when, uh, when I actually tried to be good at Magic during my spiky days but now it's just like so hard so I, I don't do it it's too difficult uh as far as fun drafts i think i think lsv is one of my favorites actually i know there's also tons of limited streamers uh but i off the top of my head i can't really think of of one dimension but probably as far as limited content that i watch lsv is at the top of the list because it's uh very good and it's entertaining all right uh Quincy Quail, what do you guys think of the professor's predictions for Dominaria? What are your guys' predictions? Ooh, I actually did not did not watch that video. I saw that it existed, but I did not see it. So I'm actually not sure what professor's predictions. Yeah, I are, did not but, see it either. Uh, good reprints, classic reprints, Lightning Bolt, Bird of Paradise, stuff like that. Uh, that's that's my big prediction. Uh, Karn Planeswalker, Teferi Planeswalker. <laughs> That's cheating. That's <laughs> Wait, cheating. someone said Teferi's not a Planeswalker anymore. <laughs> He's coming back as a Planeswalker. <laughs> maybe maybe he kills Gideon or something and takes a spark. Ooh. Maybe it's like a dark yeah. time in, in the world of magic. <laughs> uh, because, like, Venser died originally to give Karn a spark or something. Someone died. And then Karn yeah, got think, a spark back. Yeah, and I miss Venser. I love Venser. That's my favorite Planeswalker. I hope Venser comes back in Dominaria. Venser is, like, super <laughs> dead, Seth. <laughs> super <sighs> dead. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, 11 Vicious. I saw an SCG open June 8th, and the format is no bandless modern. 
What are the odds this BNR announcement they unbanned everything for a brief time period? Uh, zero. They just it, it, modern would be incredibly broken if they just unbanned everything. But it is really cool. They announced SCGCon, I think it's called, which includes a no banless modern classic, also a pauper classic for the first time. So it sounds like a really fun weekend, and I think it's in Virginia, which isn't that far away from me compared to some tournaments so i don't know that that is appealing to me to go play no bandless modern i think that would be really fun are you telling me seg con is going to be better than Hascon? <laughs> uh seems possible it already sounds a lot better <laughs> <laughs> but it's flowrider uh, yeah. coming somewhere <laughs> <laughs> in in defense of Hascon, Hascon was like this family event for little kids, and I think this is like the SCG Con is like a con for Spike tournament players. It seems like yeah, it sounds exciting. I I want no part of this band, no band this modern though. It's gonna oh, be man. so degenerate. I, I don't know what you hope to accomplish here. <laughs> yeah, I just want to hypergenesis people. That sounds that sounds. But what if you awesome. get hypergenesis first? <laughs> You just, that's why you gotta be on the play. You gotta win those die rolls. Win the die roll. Uh, Zenivdro. Hi, Seth. I was wondering if Cascading Cataracts is viable in Tron. Unless you cast any 7-mana colored spell on turn 4 with Tron assembled. So, the problem with anything in Tron is that Karn is just so good. Like, yet, you, if you want to, like, do something cool and cast a whole bunch of colors of Planeswalkers, yes, it's viable, but from a tournament perspective, Karn is just literally the best thing you can do on turn three with Tron, so it it doesn't make sense from that perspective. But if you want to build, like, against the odds Tron and play Oath of Nyssa and multicolor stuff and, like, Tron Super Friends, then I think it's a legitimate option. Yeah, Tron, Tron's a lot less scary when they play non-tron lands if their turn one play is like a forest or something i like i'm like oh my god i sit up straight in my seat i'm like i'm gonna i have a chance to win (laughs) but but if it's like a mine like clearly they're gonna like tower and top deck tower plant and stuff right (laughs) yeah you do you breathe a huge sigh of relief whenever they play any non-tron land they're like oh my god i got a chance now (laughs) it's happening it's happening (laughs) <laughs> uh, next question, Desi no hey. Which commander card would you rather see made modern legal? Baleful Strix, Containment Priest, Unexpectedly Absence, Flusterstorm, Chaos Warp, or Kaya? Um, from a fun perspective, Baleful Strix, because that's one of my favorite cards. <laughs> that's your fun from card? From a... Yeah, <laughs> oh, I just, it draws a card, Panharmonicons. <laughs> um, but from a competitive perspective, I think Flusterstorm would actually be a nice safety valve type counter spell to have in the format like a souped up spell pierce like a better spell pierce that was good against storm what's unexpectedly absent that's like two or three to tuck how, how much mana is it two two to tuck two and x so you can put it on top for two um i think baleful strix even though that's very unexciting fluster storm <laughs> is just really annoying i don't like fluster storm i just look, don't like losing to storm yeah but I you're not a, gonna I have a fluster storm players stop storm anyway <laughs> You'll have, like, one in your sideboard. You still have to counter the ritual. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. That's true. And plus, it's miserable on Magic Online to try to stack the triggers. It's it's close to impossible. It might be the worst card to play on one Magic Online, actually. It's over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jatch25. Much like you guys say, Bloodbraid Belf was banned for the sins of Deathrite Shaman. Do you think Marvel, and to a lesser extent, Emrakul, would have stuck around had a tune and Rogue Refiner been banned? Love you guys. Mm, no. I think that energy in general was a problem, but I still think that those cards would have been probably too good, especially with each other. Yeah, I think Emrakul... I mean, we saw people just playing Emrakul without Marvel, right? Like, Delirium Dex just played Emrakul and, and just won. So I think definitely Emrakul deserved it. Marvel was still too good. I mean, I guess you could just neuter every other energy card so bad that you cannot reasonably get Marvel online. But I I don't know that that's saying that Marvel is fair. So I I think the cards are too strong in this case. I I don't think it's a tune in Rogue. It's fault that these cards got banned to begin with. Alright, last question. Vig SS, what is your favorite underrated card from Rivals of Ixalan? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to go with, 
I'm going to go with Alenda the Dusk Rose. I, I think that card is the card that I underrated the most when I saw it. I think that if you build around it, it's actually really strong. But please don't just play it as a four drop because then it's very bad. <laughs> you actually have to build around it. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with an EDH card because I actually played it and it's absolutely nuts. Tender Shoot Dryad. Ooh. You, you pay five mana, you get a two two. If there are four players, you're getting three power every upkeep. So by the time it gets back around to you, uh, you've made 12 power of tokens. So That's actually impressive. It's really strong. And. For fun, you can tooth and nail tender shoot dried with verdant force, <laughs> and you can go nuts making sapling tokens. <laughs> so I, I actually found it's actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> Out of oh, that's that's the most Richard thing to tooth and nail for. You could get like Emrakul and Xenagos, and Richard's like, no, oh, verdant, verdant force and tender shoot dry. I think of all the tokens that, I can it was make. So good, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, God. All right, that's that's all of our fish fail questions. Thank you, everyone, for sending them in. Uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTGFishMail. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 157 of the MTG Goldfish uh, podcast. We're running a little bit long, like we have been lately, so that means we got to wrap it up. So, everyone, enjoy the Pro Tour this weekend. It should be awesome. We will be back next week for episode 158 to break down all the happenings. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. It's always fun. And, everyone, thank you for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week.